Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hi, I'm Jay Zawoski. we got Craig Boyton and Mario Tirabasi with us here on Throwback Thursday. I know I'm going to butcher the intro because I'm so excited to get to <laughs> I have been waiting all week for this. I am so excited. So real quick, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore Blackhawks. Uh, make sure you're following the three of us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Zawoski. He's at Greg Boyson. And Mario is at Mario underscore Tirabasi. Um, what else? What else? Oh, yeah. Make sure you like and subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. Subscribe smash that YouTube. like button. Yeah, smash it. Do it. And uh, wherever you get your podcast, hit that subscribe button. And we would really love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to do us a nice little favor towards the end of the week here, uh, that would be a, a huge benefit to us and to CHGO. Those things are like gold for podcasters. So it is Throwback Thursday. Today's topic, oh, the 2013 series against the Red Wings that went to Game 7. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Probably, we're going to get to it. My favorite single moment of the Dynasty happened in this series. Yeah, I think out, out, outside of <laughs> outside of a, a cup clinching goal, probably the best goal of that of that run. Like, just the timing, the person, the you know the the significance behind it. Um, just yeah, fantastic. We're, we'll get to we're, it. We're, we're we're talking about Michael Froelich's penalty shot, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. That's my favorite gif of the Dynasty era. <laughs> yeah, the, the original was fantastic, and then whoever inserted all the musical instruments. Have you ever seen that version <laughs> yes. of it? That one is great. Like double dot to accordion. Yeah, and like Henrik Zetterberg's got a tuba for some reason. It's it's fantastic. I don't know who did that, but they need to be in like the hockey Twitter Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, the, I, I just want to see like what and we should find the person that made that. It's probably impossible. But see, oh, wow. when you saw that, what inspired you to put you know old time like ragtime band instruments <laughs> in the hands of the Red Wings? The, the person who did that is probably an NHL GM by now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh yeah, Kyle yeah. Dubas. Yeah, that's, that's what right. he did. <laughs> uh, he doesn't like fun. All right, it was Kyle yeah. Davidson. He's a miserable bastard, and he can't blame him. He's the GM in Toronto. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Well, Throwback Thursday and all of our Blackhawks history stuff, um, that is Greg's baby. And uh, he's going to have a new post this week in Blackhawks history coming out after this episode uh, airs live. So, you know, in the afternoon on Thursday, every Thursday, you're going to get a look at the week ahead in Blackhawks history. And they are, Greg, you last week you published yours. I'm like, this is a Bible. This is in-depth <laughs> as hell. I'm seeing names I haven't thought of for years. So make sure you're on allchgo.com. Cool. And uh, check that out after the go show. Go big or go home. I love the um, I love history. I love hockey history, and I love those random names that you completely. Forget. Everybody remembers the Detroit series, and there's a lot of stuff this upcoming week. You know, the entire 1992 Stanley Cup final, not that great, but it took place here, and the and then uh, the the 2014 Western Conference final between the Kings and the Hawks came to an end this upcoming week. So there's a lot of great stuff, but then there's birthdays of guys you're like. Oh yeah, Brian Noonan. I remember him. Like, <laughs> you know, lots of fun stuff. I love doing it. That'll be out later this afternoon. And we'll do some fun stuff on Twitter as well to celebrate a lot of these anniversaries and and 
yeah, we're going to do that. I'm going to keep doing that every week. Um, even when we get into the season, wait till like we get into like November and December when there's lots of actual stuff to talk about. Like pretty much these first ones are like, Hey, remember these two playoff runs? Cause they don't play into June very often. No, <laughs> Right. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. So check that out. That'll be up shortly after this uh, show is done. I'm putting the bells and whistles on it as we speak. All right. Well, let's kick it off with the 2013 Western conference semifinal before we get to the series. A reminder, this was the shortened season. Uh, the Hawks got out to a, an ex- historic start. Just absolutely incredible off the jump. They won the President's Trophy. Um, so they get through the first round against the Minnesota Wild. Then it's on to Detroit. And, swatted them. Uh, woo, they did swat them. And then game one happens. Greg, take it away. Lead us through this by the hand, please. Well, I mean, you got to remember the Red Wings were the seventh seed of the Western Conference. This is the last season they actually did the just one through eight um, conference playoffs and then reseeded. So with the Hawks being number one, the ring, the the Wings were the uh, seventh seed and they knocked out the number two seeded Ducks in seven games. Uh, that was back when the Ducks would take a 3-2 series lead in every series and end up losing game six at home and then losing the series. So, uh, well, they lost game six on the road. But, so they upset the Ducks. Red Wings Ducks – or Red Wings Hawks. I am all about the Ducks this morning. Um, <laughs> I need more Strava. There you um, go. This was the 16th playoff meeting between these two historic franchises. The Hawks had won eight of the previous 15, but the last time these two teams got together was at 2009 – Western Conference Final, which, of course, the Red Wings won in five games and uh, went on to the Stanley Cup Final. So May 15th, 2013, Game 1, Hawks-Red Wings at the United Center. And who better to score the first goal of that series was former Detroit Red Wing Marion Hossa gave the Hawks a, a, a one nothing lead with a power play goal in the first period. That was quickly answered by Damian Bruner, who I forgot was a guy I remember him so so for this uh last night and this morning I went back through through YouTube and just tried to find some like condensed games of these games to just kind of jog my memory and yeah when Bruner scored I was like oh yeah I forgot about him and and how much like I was, was behind him when he, he came a- into the league they were like oh this you know he was like one of the like you know first that i could remember like european signings that's going to take over the league and and he did not um but yeah i think 2013 was his first year with with the red wings and it was like oh man i forgot he like came in yeah, and was supposed he, to be he like kind of disappeared and this the goal he scored came uh less than two minutes after the host goal it was his third of the playoffs already so he was yeah. producing and then uh then he he hung out with uh kim jansen and disappeared um yeah. Yeah, so it was 1-1, no, scoreless second period. Then the third period, things got excited when uh, Johnny Oduya broke the tie eight minutes into the third yeah. period, quickly followed up by a Marcus Kruger goal. Not exactly your your big guns coming out. Uh, and then Patrick Sharp with the cherry on top of a game one win with an empty net goal. Um, that that was the best thing about these these dynasty teams because, yeah, you had your hosts and your Sharps and your – your Taves and Kane, but then then you never knew when a guy like Kruger or Oduya was going to come and score a big goal. And both of those guys, those were their second goals of the postseason. Uh, Corey Crawford made 20 saves for the victory. Uh, Jimmy Howard was busy. He he gave up the uh, three of the four goals uh, on 
41 total shots, so 38 saves for Jimmy Howard. Uh, and that was another name going through these games where I was like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Howard. Like, he had a nice was, long career, too. He was, yeah. He was and he was damn good. Yeah. You, I, going through, yeah. Like I said, going through these through some of those condensed games I was watching just to kind of jog up the highlights, I forgot. Like, yeah, Jimmy Howard was real good for a, for a stretch of time. Stanley Cup winner, you know. Yeah. Uh, good, really good goalie. And he was really good in this series because as we'll get into it, he faced over 40 shots multiple times and he kept, mm-hmm. he, he was a big reason this series went the way it did. Well, and that's another reason why I love doing these throwback Thursdays and the history posts is just to be like reminded of like, this is only nine years ago, but I forgot half of these Red Wings guys existed. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, you know, after game one, like you said, Greg, they swat away the wild. They're historically great in a regular season. Um, they win game one in dominant fashion. Over, and I right? think, a lot of people felt like it was over. And I think that includes a lot of the Blackhawks too. Yeah. And yeah. as longtime Blackhawks fans know, the Red Wings are like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. They're never dead. They're never gone. <laughs> For mm-hmm. whatever reason, they find a way to do the Undertaker, sit up from the dead and come <laughs> back and, and and take you down. And it's, uh, it is, to me, it's a specifically uh, Hawks Red Wings thing. Because even in the lean years, when the Hawks would get a rare three nothing lead against the red wings when kyle calder and tyler arneson were out there they were going to lose that game five three it was almost inevitable inevitable so we'll get to it but that's why to me this series in particular stood out so much because of the symbolism behind it yeah for sure and game two definitely was a case where it seemed like hey the blackhawks thought this was in the bag and then the red wings came out and beat them at the united center four to one uh, same score, reversed order, but it, it started off well. Patrick Kane scored in the first period, gave the Hawks a one nothing lead, and then after the first period, the wheels fell off. Our guy Damian Bruner scored to tie the game early in the second period. Then uh, current Carolina Hurricane Brendan Smith, uh, he's had some big goals in the playoffs this season, and uh, he had the eventual game-winning goal late in the second period. The Wings added two more. Johan Franzen and Valtteri Flippula uh, had third period goals and it was a runaway win. And then when you look at it, the Hawk, the Hawks only had 20 shots on goal in the, in the game, Jimmy yep. Howard coming up with 19 saves. So they went from 41 shots to 20 shots in, in, in one game. And uh, I think that kind of shows you what Jay um, said. Like, I think the Hawks kind of said, Hey, we haven't really had to work for anything this year. Let's just throw our jerseys on the ice and get another win. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely a like well, flip the script moment. I remember I remember watching that game thinking like, oh, hey, like that's that's not how this is supposed to go. Like, <laughs> you know, watching the entire, you know, 2013 season and 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 going through the the first six games of the postseason that they had played, it just looked like, oh, okay, they're just going to run through everybody and we're like, okay, who 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 are we going to who are they going to meet in the final? Like that was that was really how it felt. And then when um yeah, when when Detroit, you know, flipped it in game two, it was just like, oh, OK, like I was not expecting, you know, a Blackhawks team to to, to look like that. But again, it was, you know, still a, a Red Wings team that that had so much firepower and, and they were there for a reason um, and had to remind the Blackhawks like, hey, like this, this is still a team that's that's going to be dangerous and, and reminded them a few more times in that series. 
as as AJ in the comments points out, good observation. Jimmy Howard and Corey Crawford always struck me as kindred spirits, both very good goalies, underappreciated in their time. Uh, absolutely, because they both were goalies for some incredible teams. You can lump Chris Osgood in that category too. Yeah. You know, when you play for amazing teams and you're not a Patrick Waugh or Marty Brodeur, a lot of people say, well, anybody could win uh, behind that team. Right. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, sure, playing behind Nicholas Lindstrom, or, you know, and, and Chris Chelios was on some of those teams or playing behind Seabrook and Keith and that defense. Yeah, life is easier, but you still got to make the big saves uh, when the pressure's on. So that's a, a great call out by AJ there on the Howard and Crawford comparisons. Uh, so then the series shifted to Detroit and um, yeah, it wasn't very good. That was a, a, a <laughs> lousy trip uh, to the uh, the. Joe Lewis Arena, which it's gone, it's dead. I don't care. It was a dump. I hated that arena. I went there twice and just had <laughs> miserable times both times. There had nothing to do with the games either, but good riddance, Joe Lewis Arena. Um, game three, Red Wings three to one victors. They take a surprising two one lead in the series. Hawks really never were in this game. Uh, Gustav Nyquist and Drew Miller. Remember Drew Miller? That's Ryan Miller's uh, brother. 68 year old brother he had like gray hair by the time he was like 18 that poor bastard um gustav nyquist drew miller second period two nothing patrick kane gets a uh, goal early in the third period to kind of give the hawks some life but then it was answered immediately less than uh or just over two minutes later pavel datsuk and that's all she wrote three to one hawks a little more life to him they had another 40 uh, 40 shot effort, but Jimmy Howard came up with 39 saves in the victory and Crawford made 27 in the losing effort. So it's two, one game four back in Detroit. I mean, I don't remember. Um, I, I don't remember feeling panic or dread at this point. It was just like, I did. <laughs> it was just like, you know yeah. what? We've been here, done that. How many times have the Hawks fallen behind 2-1 in a series and they just win in six games? You know, they're going to go in the locker room. They're going to find the switch and they're going to flip it. And then they're just <laughs> going to dominate the next three games and move on because that's what this team does, especially that season. Like that, that yeah. team felt invincible during the regular season. It was just like, okay, big deal. Jimmy Howard pulled one out of his ass and, uh, you know, <laughs> enjoy your last win of the season red wings that's kind of how i remember feeling like no big deal uh and then game four happened and then it was like holy crap this is yeah. not gonna happen is it like game four two nothing victory for the red wings again at joe lewis arena Jakob kindle wow that's yeah. a blast the there's past. a name yeah whoo boy power play goal midway through the second period was all the red wings needed and then of course it was former blackhawks legend daniel cleary with the empty <laughs> netter that um sealed the deal 28 saves for howard for the shutout crawford made 25 saves on 26 shots but that's the, the hawks are down 3-1 it's panic time but this game is not remembered necessarily for that this game is remembered for brent seabrook preventing the ultimate meltdown as as sydney points out right here this mm -hmm. was the turning point of the series and everybody on that team admitted that jonathan taves hadn't scored yet in the series hawks offense has been had been terrible the last couple of games just just uh two goals in the last three games at that point taves takes a penalty i think it was his second or third penalty of that game i think it just, was third 
Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. just having an awful night, and he is having a Jonathan Taves meltdown. We've seen it, but this was like on steroids. And <laughs> Brent Seabrook skates over to the penalty box, opens the door, kind of puts his hat, hat, you know, his head on his hat head, and kind of just whispers in his ear and just says, "Hey, relax." And and after the game. Uh, Seabrook said, you know, if the rest of the group sees him going like that, it's going to trickle down and we need him to be focused. We need him to be ready. And yeah, they lost that game, but that was a huge thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that shows the value of Brent Seabrook. While Jonathan Taves wore, still wears the C on his sweater until further notice, Brent Seabrook was the real captain. That was the guy. Yep. That was was the guy that like, while Taves got the, the title and he got to have yell at the referees, it was Seabrook the team gravitated to. I'm not taking anything away from Jonathan Taves saying he's a bad captain, but it was Seabrook when that team needed the kick in the ass was the guy that in the locker room did it. He was the guy that the, that those players look to yeah. in these moments to, yeah. to pull them up. You could always hear his – he had a bit of like a high-pitched – when he would talk loud, it was a little bit high-pitched. Like, let's go, boys. You know, it would stand out in the <laughs> – lo- it wasn't that high. But it would stand out in the locker room. And if uh, – I know – not everybody has locker room access, but if you go back and watch any of those uh, documentary DVDs the Hawks put out after the championships, got all three you of get, them. You get that access, and you see Seabrook is that guy. He's greeting everybody at the door on the way in. He's the last guy out. He's fist bumping everybody. He's the vocal leader of that team. And for him to literally go into the press, go into the penalty box and do like the airplane, like the shaking and the slapping of the face, <laughs> you know, of Jonathan Taylor, like, dude. Get it together. Like, we need you to win this series, and you cannot be in here pouting and slamming your stick and taking penalties because things aren't going well. This is this this is what a true a true captain rises above moments like that. He doesn't fall apart in those moments. And that's Brent Seabrook saw. This dude is falling apart right now. I need to go in there and put him back together one yeah. way or another. And Greg, you said he whispered in his ear. It was a little more, I think it was a little more pronounced than that. It was a hard <laughs> couple slaps on the helmet, like, dude. Come on, man. We need you. We mm-hmm. need you to be that guy. And I'm laughing because the dash law says Jay was that Seabrook or Shorzy from Letterkenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. Give your balls a tug. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I mean, that's, it's, that, it's that's what Taves needed for sure. Yeah. And it's it, it's such a um, such a valuable part of that run is how many players like that, like Brent Seabrook, um, that they had that were like, you know, yeah, you had Jonathan Taze, Patrick uh, Sharp, Duncan Keith, you know, all wearing the letters, but you also had Hosa and Seabrook and Kane. And at times, you know, different times you had Dave Boland and John, uh, John Madden. And like you had different guys who could step up and be leaders. And you had tons of players who, went on to different teams or came from other teams that were in leadership roles. And that run that the Blackhawks had, they had so many guys that were just like, Oh, they could have been a captain. They could have been captain. They could have been captain. It was just the lead, just the voices and leadership of the locker room was just like, you, you could, you could point, you know, to a a dozen different stalls and say, yeah, this guy's going to, going to lead us tonight. This guy's going to lead us tonight. It's just, uh, just such a, a valuable aspect to that team. And, and something that's very hard to replicate, um, in, in, in the league. Well, I think yeah. that's, you know, when Kyle Davidson talks about, you know, getting an identity to this team and having, a you know, that be part of it. It's not just, let's get a bunch of really good players. Let's get a bunch of character guys with skill. That's the challenge. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of those, you know, that's, you know, guys like Jonathan Taves are rare. 
And I know we've been down on him over the last couple of years because he's been, well, not playing. He's put his foot in his mouth a few times. And when he has played, he hasn't been very productive. But, you know, to find a guy who is the total package like that of leadership, offense, defense, the whole thing, it's hard to build a whole team of that. But this dynasty is about as close as you can get to that. Because you had a bunch of poor man's Jonathan Taves is on the team too, right? Like Dave Bullen didn't have the offense, but he was he could defend just as well. And um, Patrick Sharp was a winger, but he could he could play both ways too. Marion Hosa, like you had a bunch of guys that all played on all ends of the ice in all zones very well. And uh, you said it earlier, Greg, with the depth, that's the thing. Like that that's that's what made them so unstoppable, and I think that's what gave you the faith. Me, I, I have too much Red Wings PTSD to uh, to have felt any faith. I'm like, here we go again. Well, this is going to be their last chance to win a cup. My faith was definitely <laughs> shooken after this game. Like I was like, ugh. And but to talk about that depth and the qual and the character guys is just to put a cherry on top of that conversation. That's so difficult, and that's what teams like the Maple Leafs have are, are discovering year in and year out. Yeah, you got the stars, but do you have that extra layer? Uh, that's what the Oilers have been struggling with. You've got two of the, you got the best player in the world and like the sixth best player in the world on your team, but it hasn't gotten you a whole lot. Cause you don't have that at that missing element. And the Tampa Bay lightning have that they've got the stars. They've got the leaders. They've got the guys that are like, I don't care that I'm making all this money. I'm going to lay out and risk injury to block a shot in a four to one game. Like that's what you need. And that's what some of these star driven teams we see today are missing and they need to get, but it's not easy. It's not easy to find those guys. All right. We're through four games of the seven game series. Uh, it's about to turn everybody. If you, if you missed it, if you weren't alive in 2013, you're going to find out what happened next, but we want to remind everybody that the best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app and use the code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but you're also going to get, with a $50 or more first-time deposit, a free CHGO membership. That'll get you access to all of our web content, a free T-shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker, access to our Discord, everything that comes with being a CHGO member. That's two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. It's your home for live in-play betting, and guess what? It just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect Live NBA Same Game Parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can always boost your Live Same Game Parlays. Watch Live, Parlay Live, and Boost Live with PointsBet. And now online sign-up is available in Illinois. So grab your phone. Here's my phone. I got mine. Go on your app store, iOS store, Android store, whatever. Download the PointsBet app right now and register from start to finish all from your phone. What are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Well, we'll roll with uh, points bet, and that means it's Thursday. Not only is that th uh, throwback Thursday here on CHGO Blackhawks, but it's the points bet play of the week all across our CHGO network. And uh, we've got to change strategy. And, um, you know, we'll uh, – we, we, yeah, the we Panthers train no longer existed. It's gone. <laughs> the train is off the rails. It, it's been blown up. <laughs> it's the train from the Han Solo movie. It's gone. It's it, Those that no longer exist – um, 
awesome. Even if the that. Panthers were still playing, I think we were jumping off that train anyway because we had lost two in a row. Probably. But now we're going to attach ourselves to the Con- Connor McDavid missile. That's not a train right now. That is a full-on ballistics missile. Um, our points bet play of the week, I'm putting an anytime goal plus 135 Connor McDavid. That was a tremendous odds for Connor McDavid. He didn't score a goal last game which means he's scoring like nine tonight. So um, Connor McDavid plus 135 is the official points bet play of the week. But there's a second one to that, because if you log in your points bet app, you're going to see there's going to be a little extra $5 bonus reward there. Uh, I'm not sure the reason why, but who, hey, you're going to get a Don't courtesy, have, of, courtesy of points bet. Right. <laughs> hey, it's free $5 you can play with. That. I think it's only good for today. I took that five bucks. And I put it on Connor McDavid scoring the first goal of the game at plus 1,000. So if that thing pops up, it's a, a $55 uh, payout on my $5 bet, which is not even my money. So even if he doesn't score the first <laughs> goal, oh, well, yeah. thanks for the thanks for giving me a little bit of entertainment tonight. So Connor McDavid, we're jumping the Connor McDavid missile, plus 135 anytime goal scorer. And I say use that extra five bucks you got and put it on the first goal of the game being scored by McDavid at plus 1,000. That's a, that is a very tempting bet. It, uh, yeah. I, uh, Especially when it's I, not both, your money. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I put together yeah. a uh, – I, I saw the $5 free bet. I put together a a, a wild like six-leg parlay that was like plus 5,000, and the first leg missed, and I was like, ah, damn. <laughs> yeah but, you know happens. just it, when, when whenever i get you know whenever points bet has a, some sort of promotion or whatever where it's just like hey hey take a free bet it's just like oh, i'm just gonna roll the dice on something crazy and just see if i can uh turn this free money into more free money uh it didn't work out this time all right we are on to game five blackhawks red wings and here's when things start to turn around the turnaround yeah and right before we do the turnaround, I just want to give a shout out to Alton V in our chat, who yes. uh, just who uh, says he just discovered the podcast about a month ago. is a huge fan. Been looking for a Blackhawks podcast, a good Blackhawks podcast. He had to settle for us, but we're doing our best. And he finally <laughs> found one. Keep good, up not the great, great work. Yeah, yeah. If we Keep find a good one, we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but thank you, Alton. Those are kind words. We sure do appreciate you checking in and watching. And uh, we're going to keep striving. We got some exciting things uh, in the works here. So just stay tuned. Uh, and speaking of exciting, who doesn't like series comebacks? And the series came back to Chicago on May 25th, 2013. Hawks down 3-1. Uh, I still had my season tickets at this time. And I remember talking to my buddy Paul, who I had my seats with. We were like... I don't want to go and see the Red Wings like in this series. Not, no, I don't want to do it. Then we said, finally, you know what? We got to go. Cause if this is the last game, it's the last chance to see our buddies in our section until next fall. So we went and the, the place was rocking. Like it, it was not, it was not doom and gloom. Like people that that building was loud and it was, there was a lot of energy and, and uh, Brian Bickle, the legend of Brian Bickle starts getting, um, born here he scored his fourth goal of playoffs he had three goals in that minnesota series he gets his fourth one late in the first period to give the hawks a one nothing lead second period midway through it's that dan cleary guy again scoring no tying the game <laughs> but from there the blackhawks took control they got back-to-back power play goals uh less than three minutes apart in the second half of that period from andrew shaw and jonathan taves first goal of the playoffs the monkey is off the back it's three one 
And then Shaw a- added a uh, another goal in the third period to make it four to one. Uh, Jimmy Howard bombarded again, 45 shots on goal for the Hawks. Ooh. And then uh, Corey Crawford only had to face 26. What an amazing, like, I forgot like what that was like. Mm-hmm. You outshoot a team 45, 26, and you score two power play goals. We haven't seen that here in a long time. <laughs> that used to be the norm. Yeah. That used to be what, what we did. The Hawks, especially that season, they always had the damn puck. And, like, we forget now it's the exact opposite. They never have the damn puck. It, it just <laughs> You get spoiled, and you take yeah. those things for granted. How are you guys feeling after this game? I know Greg Much better. Felt, yeah. I, I was still a ball of nerves, man. I I remember I was doing the post-game shows on the score at the time, and I would just stay – because I'm not going to go all the way home and then come back for the game. So I just had a lot of idle time to worry. <laughs> and that's how I spent yeah. most of my days. Because the other part is, and hopefully someday we learn this anxiety too, of like being on the podcast or being on the air when a team loses or is eliminated. Mm. And it is the worst. It's the worst because everybody, at least – on the podcast, we don't have to take live calls. We've got the chat. We don't have people calling in like, these guys suck. I hate it. There's, you know? no, there's no Bobs from Streeter. Calling <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know how to use the YouTubes. Uh, I'm not interested. But yes, yeah, it, so it wasn't only just the element of, oh my God, my team might be eliminated by the team I hate the most. It's that I'm going to have to, it, being as pissed and heartbroken as I'll be, I'm going to have to go on the air for three hours and talk about it. Mm, when the yeah. last thing I want to do is freaking talk go about on, it. Yeah, happens. yeah. <laughs> that plays a role. But I cannot wait to get back to that time where yeah, the three I, of us I, look at each other like, I don't want to talk about this after they lose. I would much, matter. much rather, um, you know, have have constant, uh, you know, <laughs> Just just sinking feelings in my yeah. chest and gut all day, just waiting for like a 730 puck drop, just like, oh, I can't take it. Like, I, I, you know, you have to you have to think about, you know, things to distract your mind from being like, oh, God, they got to, you know, it's, it's an elimination game or, or a game seven or something. I would much rather have those have those feelings back than just being like, well. Uh, blues and avalanche play tonight. I guess that'll be kind of entertaining. Like, you know, it's yeah. you or start of night, Sam Lafferty again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also I mean, that. Yeah. We don't. We don't want to talk about losses these days just because we're tired of talking yeah, about it. Not because we're mad or defeated. Mm-hmm. I look forward to the day the three of us could be at the CHGO offices and watching a game, and the three of us can be like Matt Peck and Big Dave watching a Bulls game. <laughs> yeah. Having now having... we just sit. Now we just sit there and go. Eh, is it over <laughs> yet? <laughs> having the yeah. uh, the emotional investment back in yeah, the game is. But is, I, I is miss a big, that. Big I mean, part of it. While the Stanley Cup playoffs are still super fun to watch, but man, when you when you when you got that like when you take years off your life expectancy yeah. because of a game, it, mm-hmm. it, it, I miss that. This I look gray spot. To that again. This was 2010. Yeah. <laughs> this one is 2013. Yeah. Over here is yeah. 2015. Yeah, there you go. And then the rest yeah. is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> In, the, the, That'll do the, it to you. Yeah. 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 Oh, I these this is all. I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> anywho, game six, like, as you met, asked, like, I was feeling kind of confident. I wasn't feeling dreadful, but I was still very nervous. I knew game six winning in Detroit was going to be hard. They hadn't won there yet. Um, I knew, I, I felt if they, obviously, it, it, they have to win game six, but I felt 
if they win game six, there's no way they're losing game seven at home. So this was at the home. series for me. And they went up there and they beat the Red Wings four to three in a very that tense, tight, very mm-hmm. good game. Uh, first period, it was Hosa again, a power play goal less than four minutes into the game. Jonathan Taze had the primary assist, Hosa's fifth goal of the playoffs already. Uh, you felt good, but then <clears throat> just before the end of the period, just over a minute left, another guy completely forgotten existed. Patrick Eves scored his first goal <laughs> of the playoffs to tie the yeah. game, <clears throat> assisted by Drew Miller and Brendan Smith. So you talk about your role players stepping yeah. up in a big game. That right there, that's not your Dotzuk and Franzens. That's your guys, your fourth liners coming up with a huge goal. And then second period, Joakim Anderson I, I, sure, I don't remember him at all, not at all, but he scored a two, put the Hawks up two to one midway through the second period, and that held in the third period, and it was like, uh-oh, like this can't be happening. This was the team with the, the greatest <clears throat> regular season we've ever seen. They weren't supposed to do this. Like, And then you get all the people with the nonsense of the President Trophy curse. It's like, that has nothing to do with anything, but like, this is not good. And then 51 seconds into the third period, one of my favorite Blackhawks of all time, Michael Hanzus, a guy that a lot of people laughed about that acquisition at the trade deadline. Like, what are we doing here? Like, at least let him grow back the mullet that he had the first time. <laughs> he scores probably the biggest goal of his career. What's the Hawks? Uh, ties the game. 2-2, 51 seconds in that third period. I loved Michael Hanzus. He was, like, perfect for that team. Exactly what they needed. Yep, yep. Need a face-off? Here you go. Yep. Need a big and, goal? Here you go. And, you know, it, he, Michael Hanzus wasn't – he wasn't a qual, uh, a quantity guy when it came to goals. It was quality goals. It seems like he yep. always had – all his goals seemed to be important. He reminds me to make a to make a cross-sports reference. He was like Joe Creedy. Joe Creedy never had a really high batting average, but it seemed that every time he got a hit, it was like the hit you needed. Yeah. Uh, and that was Michael Hanzus, especially in that the, that year. Uh, he scored the big goals. And that got the ball rolling. Five minutes later, it was Brian Bickle again, fi- uh, his fifth goal of the playoffs. And then uh, just a couple minutes after that, it was that Michael Froelich penalty shot. Get put the Hawks up 4-2, 10 minutes to go in the game. Everything was going the Hawks way at this point. Now it's like, this is what it's going to be. You know, here it Mm -hmm. is. We got them right where we want them. Detroit sucks. All that stuff. (laughs) It felt great. Uh, And 52 seconds left in the game. Damian Bruner. Man, this guy was a pain in the ass this series, wasn't (laughs) it? He gets the Hawk. He gets the wings to within a goal with 52 seconds. And then, you know, then, then the buckles start to clinch a little little tense, a little tense. Shit. What are we doing now? They (laughs) held off for the last 52 seconds to get the win. Crawford had a huge game, 35 saves in that game. Jimmy Howard probably had the worst uh, game of his series as as the Hawks only had 28 shots on goal, but he allowed four of them in. So maybe, you know, they've starting to wear him down a little bit. That's what you're thinking. Like, Hey, maybe all those 40 goal, 40 shot, Games are starting to have their effect. Maybe the pressure is getting on to him. You know, all the pressure was on the Hawks in this series, especially when they fell behind 3-1. You know, this is the historic team, and here you are losing to the seventh seed. And uh, now it's one game for it all. Mm -hmm. Back to the United Center, May 29th. The anniversary is coming up just in a couple of days. Yeah. uh, Man, this game, I remember going to this game, and that building – 
my God. They just, it just that the, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the feeling was. It was intense. It was nervous. It was, there was confidence, but it was just like every time the puck went into either zone, you just rose in your seat a little yeah. bit. Didn't matter who had the puck. When it got, when it crossed the blue line, you just tensed up like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Well, for me, part of it was, you know, you felt like game five, the Hawks look like they're supposed to look, right? It's a dominant victory. They're back in the series, whatever. Then game six, they win game six, of course, right? But like, it wasn't as convincing as you'd hoped. You had Corey Crawford, like you said, played really well. You had Jimmy Howard play not so great. So you're like, God, if Jimmy Howard is the Jimmy Howard he's been, they probably don't win this game. And if Crawford doesn't stand on his head, they probably don't win this game. And then it's like, Detroit's his team with all this experience, right? Not that in the Hawks won a cup in 2010 before this, of course, but game seven all day, all day was just nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. I, I was pacing downtown, just yeah. walking back. Like I went and hung out in the Black Hawk store for like 45 minutes. And I'm like, are you okay, <laughs> sir? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not really okay. I just need, I need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe if I buy something, it will be karma. I don't know. Yeah. I just didn't know what to what the hell to do. It was just the most, I, I think this was the most stress I felt before a game in the entire dynasty. Just yeah. all day. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. It was just torture. It yeah, was torture leading up to that game. The Hawks had a lot of game sevens in those that dynasty run, and this was definitely the one I felt the most just everything about mm-hmm. anxious, uh, you know, nervous, didn't know what would happen. You know, that Canucks game in 2011, not even close to this because, again, it was this was the team that was not supposed to lose, and we cannot lose to yeah. the damn Red Wings. We can't yeah. do it. We'll never hear the end of it. This is their last – they're moving to the Eastern Conference next season. We can't let them do this. Uh, all those Red Wings implants in Downers Grove will never let us hear the end of this. Like, <laughs> we've got to win this game. And, uh, man, the energy in that building was just absolutely incredible. Scoreless first period to just – builds up the nerves and the intensity God. and then a minute into the second period it's patrick sharp his seventh goal of the playoffs from hosa and hanzus and the place just went absolutely bananas that holds up through the period it's one nothing going into the third period you're feeling pretty good but you, you're like man we need to get another one here and then disaster strikes 26 seconds into the third period it's Honk Zonkerberg, Hank Zetterberg, <laughs> playing the game, and you're just like, oh my god! Like he could have literally just walked through the United Center and punched everybody right in the stomach after scoring that goal, because that's what it felt like. It was just, oh man, we can't, we can't, we can't. And then, well, we all know how how you know that ended. Um, that you know, and nearing the end of regulation. We think of all people, it's Nicholas Jarmelson wins the game with a slap shot goal or puts them up late in the game and, and just the the place exploded. But then it doesn't count. It's waved off because there was a penalty behind the play. And it's like, what are you doing? I, I remember being in my seats in section 321 and just losing my mind because there was never an explanation. Like we had no idea what was going on and it was – uh, you know. the, and the broadcast was equally as confused. And you could see that, like, the, their producers must have been searching, like, every camera angle, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. 
such a ticky tack behind the play, non and like nothing to do with the play happening. And they called Jarmelson for a penalty for allowing himself to get thrown to the ice, essentially. No, it was Brand- it was Brandon Sod. Oh, yeah, Sod. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah, Sod, and I can't remember the the Red Wings player. I think it was a- well, uh, Justin Abdicator sticks. In was my it Abdicator? I don't know if that's. I wouldn't right, be. Su- but... I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like that would have been. There's the... two guys that were yeah. jumping on or off the ice, got tangled up in the bench, and they decided to have a hug fest, and then they call penalties. It had nothing to do with the play, and it happens as Jarmelson's yeah. shooting the shot and scoring the goal. I, I, that had, I believe, that was a Tim Peel call, who. Uh, uh, you know, was politely told to no longer referee games a few years later, and he's out on Twitter being Tim Peel. So, um, man, that just was like crap. So the goal doesn't count. All that energy gets sucked out, and we got to go to overtime. Overtime of Game 7, season on the line, hated Red Wings. And, the you know, the torturous part of NHL playoff overtime is you have to wait for an intermission, for the overtime to start. So it's like 15 minutes. You're just sitting there like someone, please can this put me out of my misery? Like, I'm just so, I'm so upset right now. I, I need someone to hold me. Like it was just the, it was just the most torturous feeling. And then to have the elation of the Jalmerson goal. And then the, Oh, the deflation of it didn't count. It's, it was almost unreal. And, and as a fan, you're thinking they can't recover like that. It, there's too much damage done. Very similar, by the way, to the Cubs World Series, right? Like kind of the same thing. Like they had it in hand. They were good to go. And at the last minute, it's taken away. And then you got to wait through a rain delay. And that's torture. Like it's just there's so many similarities there. But, oh, my God, that, that intermission was just just torture. It was – go ahead, Mara. Sorry. Well, I just, I just always remember um, from – so – back in 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 this time frame um me and my me and my buddy nate who has popped up in the uh, in the chat a couple times um you know we were we were we were home from college and um you know we we would watch the games together we you know started this ritual of you know um watching the games at at, at my house with with uh with my parents and 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 friends and everything and um in, in overtime games, what we started to do was, and this is how, you know, 23 year old Mario, my, my brain and, and thought that this would be, this would be work. This, this would, this would work. This would be a superstition would work. Um, I had a punching bag in my basement and we would, <laughs> we, we would go down uh, into, in our basement in the, in the intermissions and we would just punch the, 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 the punching bag just to get out some frustration. And then we would chug a beer and then go back and watch the overtime. And we would do that for all the overtime. So it was this one. It was, um, you know, it was all the overtimes against, uh, you know, against the ducks back in the day. Um, so it was, it was a superstition. Um, it worked sometimes it, it, other times it didn't, but, uh, I remember doing it for this game and just, you know, it's just a stupid memory I have, but I, I always remember, uh, doing something like that and and it was like it was like actually like okay there's a ton of stress right now because it's overtime it's game seven um you know the game should have been over and it was just like i remember <laughs> being down there just punching the punching bag and being like this game should be over <laughs> like, like just getting so uh yeah so angry on it but yeah it was just it's just that 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 feeling of this you know the, the the game could be over at any second now the series could be over at any second season could be over um, and it was just yeah it was i just i just have that memory of 
of being uh, at, at my parents' place watching the game. And it's just, yeah, it was just crazy. When I think, you know, when I talk about what we're about to talk about being my favorite me- memory of the dynasty is because of that suddenness of it, right? The Hawks won their cups all in game sixes. So ha- even if they had lost those games, they still had another chance to come back and win the cup, you know? But this one was if Pavel Datsuk or Henrik Zetterberg gets a puck and shoots it and it hits a skate and goes in, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's over in this great series, in this great team. They get off to an incredible historic start, and you don't know another cup is coming in 2015, right? With the uncertainty of the hard cap, you don't know who's coming, who's going, etc. It kind of felt like, if not now, it's never going to happen again. And it was just a second away from all being swept away like that, especially your win one game one convincingly. Then you're down three to one. Right. And then all of a sudden now it comes to game seven and not just that overtime in game seven and not just that the dragon you haven't slayed in the Detroit Red Wings who have been a thorn in your side for the better part of 20 years. It was just, oh, my God, the stress of this overtime was insane. That's why I'm very glad it did not last very long. <laughs> uh, and as AJ AJ uh, corrected me in the comments, it was Stephen Walcom that Stephen made Walcom. the back call, not Tim Peel. I get my bad referees confused. I'm sorry. It's easy to do. Uh, my apologies, kind of, sort of, to Tim Peel. Walcom was also what was he? He had a run to? there where he made some really atrocious calls, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not going to let you on the ice anymore." Wasn't he in the um, the the Blackhawks Yotes series the year before? And had a terrible call, like he didn't call a penalty on Torres or something. That sounds right. Or maybe he was the one that made the the charging call on Andrew Shaw when Mike Flip Mike Smith completely flopped. Yeah, it might have been. Um, uh, you're right. No, it was uh, Stephen Walcom. Uh, the I got to find an old tweet here from Chris Cook. There you April go. April twenty fifth, twenty twelve. NHL quote punishes referee Stephen Walcom for missing Rafi Torres's hit on Marion Hosa by letting yeah. him work game seven of Caps Bruins. So there was no punishment at all. Yeah. But yeah, I totally yeah. missed that call. Yeah. And then they made him the head of officials, I believe, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, you're the worst guy. Who better to run the whole group of you? It's like um, the player safety thing we talked yeah, about. Yeah, it's a trend yeah, in the NHL. Exactly. Who's right. the most violent bastard we can find? You're the head of player safety now. Congratulations. Yeah. Did you? How many uh, Rolling Stones tweets did you have to go through to find that one from Chris <laughs> Cook? <laughs> Several thousand. Yeah, that's right. Chris Cook, one of the, one of the good guys. I always yeah, enjoyed, always enjoyed uh, my chats with him. Um, so, overtime. And thankfully, we didn't have to wait very long. Uh, just three minutes, 35 seconds in the overtime, Brent Seabrook gets the puck at the blue line, and for whatever reason, nobody in a white jersey decided to go anywhere near him. Yeah, He could have literally taken off his skates and walked into the <laughs> shooting area and shot the puck. Shoots what – you're just like, okay, wrist shot. And for what, and then Jimmy Howard, like, just can't grab it. I'm it fluttered. somehow gets by him. It wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but God darn it, it felt so good. The, the greatest goal that I've seen, uh, I'm going to say second grade. I still love the Marion Hosa goal against Nashville in 2010 better. Pretty good. But this one was so satisfying. Mm-hmm. And it's Brent Seabrook, the guy, the leader, the man that we just talked about that went to the penalty box and told his captain to calm the F down and let's go. And it's so – you couldn't have written a script better yeah. that it's Seabrook that scores a goal. And then you look at the two guys that got the assists on that play – it's Dave Boland. It's Michael Froelich. 
yeah. in overtime mm-hmm. of a game seven. Like that again is what made that that team so special that you had guys like that that you're putting out there early in an overtime. They're not out there because it's 15 minutes in overtime and all your stars are tired and you have to throw them out in a shift. They put them out there because that shift started in the defensive end of the ice. They got the puck, they moved it up the ice, and there's Brent Seabrook, right place, right time. Boom, series over. I believe Lawrence has the the famous picture of Brent Seabrook shouting to the heavens. <laughs> that was also crap. That was every Blackhawks fan. Every it was Black an Hawks amazing fan. moment. Yeah. Uh, it is burned into my memory as a Blackhawks fan. Uh, the 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 jubilation in the in the crowd that night. Yeah, mm-hmm. just walking out and high fiving and hugging strangers and and just it was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing, and it was like when the Bulls finally beat the Detroit Pistons. It was like I mean. Yeah, the Hawks had won in 2010, but all we heard from Red Wings fans was, you don't, you didn't have to beat us. You didn't go mm-hmm. through us. Mm-hmm. At right. that time, the Red Wings were just on the end of their – they were just about ready for their down tick, but they were still the standard for so many years. They knocked us out in 2009. Um, and it was so nice to finally, after all those years between the 90s and the early 2000s and up to 20, 2009 – when they were dominating the Hawks and we had to take it on the chin from all the Red Wing fans that lived in the Chicago area, either, you know, people that moved here from Michigan after college or people that just, you know, jumped on the bandwagon because the Hawks were bad. We finally could be like, yeah, now we beat you. And now we're going to move on and now get out of our conference. <laughs> get out of here. That's a great way to go to the off. East. Yeah. Bums. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they still had uh, some decent seasons after that. Um, but then, yeah, the, the collapse began really like 2016, 2017 is when it started really going downhill. So there's your timeline, Hawks fans. The Wings go from 93 points in 2015-16 to 79 to 73 to 74 to 39. Oh. <laughs> I mean, and it, they're they're finally, finally, finally starting to tick back up. Yeah. They hit with some really great draft picks and guys that are really making a difference, and they've kept their young leadership and Dylan Larkin. This is stuff we'll kind of talk about. We talk about to bring kit and things like that as the off season goes on, but uh, these rebuilds take time. Speaking of Dylan Larkin real quick, did you see he, uh, he changed agents? No. Yeah. Changed agents. And he's, he's negotiating an extension this, uh, this, this summer or is potentially negotiating an extension this summer. Uh, Changed agents. So that's interesting for, uh, for a Red Wing storyline to watch. Yeah, see what happens. He's one of those guys that you, it goes to show that patience, patience, patience mm-hmm. when it comes to your young players. Because I think there was a lot of times early in his career where Red Wings fans were just like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah, he's fast and he could score, but I don't see the consistency. And there was a lot of, you know, hey, can we trade this guy? And now he's their captain and just a fantastic player. Um, so patience goes a long way when you're trying to do it the right way. So keep mm-hmm. that in mind over the next four or five seasons. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and he was, you talk about a guy like doing it himself. You know what I mean? Like for yeah, a long time, for he, a while, basically it. Mm-hmm. Him and uh, Anthony Mantha, they were the, the two yeah. young, only, only uh, attractions for the Red Wings. Um, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're going back in, in the right direction. Took some time. Uh, took a lot of top end picks to to, to work out, but um, you know that's that's a team that I know we we just spent uh, you know fifty minutes say you know burying them uh, through through the retrospective of the series, but that's a uh, 
you know, that that's a team that you look at as like a rebuilding structure, rebuilding plan and kind of the experience of rebuilding. Um, and that's, that could be a, a route that the Blackhawks are, are going to uh, going to be going down in the next, uh, next couple of seasons. So we'll see, but yeah, I mean, it's you, to, to close, uh, I guess to close the series here, um, you know, it, you, you think about if, if it goes the other way, if the Red Wings score the overtime winner and, and, and that, uh, you know, that season ends in, in the semifinals, um, where do the Blackhawks go from there? Cause then, cause now it's not, we have, now it's not, we have two cups. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all, all, all the, you know, success of, of the president's trophy, two cups in, in, in four years and, you know, everything's going in the right direction. You know, if they're out in the second round, it's, it's Stanley cup in 2010, first round exit, first round exit, second round exit. Like is you wonder what the domino effect could have been if there were any like, you know, panicky moves that needed to be made or people start questioning Joel Quenville or, you know, it's, it's very interesting, but you know, they, they, they close out the series. They, uh, the next time they ever see the Red Wings in the postseason would be in the cup final. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, I don't know, leave it at that. It's just, it was just, (laughs) it's so fun to do these and I hope the listeners enjoyed it too, because uh, there's so much of it you forget. And, and like, like you said, Greg, you're laming all these old Red Wings when DTRT launches someday. And this week in Blackhawks and Red Wings history comes up and you're going to see uh, all these all these names of these dudes you have not thought of before or since. <laughs> Joe Kim Anderson, uh, Jakob Kindle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, in the yeah, the Evergrey Drew Miller. It's just uh, it's yeah. that's what's so fun about these throwbacks. Of course, it's great to relive the memories, but. Just like, remember this dude? Remember that dude? Remember that goal Michael Hanzu scored that you probably haven't thought of in, mm-hmm. you know, in years that was so huge? And like Mario said, probably the biggest of his career was just another footnote uh, in the three Stanley Cups. And uh, man, I, I I like thinking back on Michael Hanzu's too. Like that, that's a guy who he kind of was punchline because he was slow and he was big and he was old and just, I don't know, everyone wanted the Hawks to like add another superstar at the deadline. And the only time they really came close to that was when they got Antoine Vermette. Would you say it's probably the highest profile, like deadline edition they made? I would think so, right? In terms of like, yeah, him or yeah. maybe maybe Oduya. Oduya, yeah, is probably those two are probably like similar levels of player when you compare yeah, them to a, to a D-man. Mostly it was guys like Sammy Paulson or you know, right? Um, you know, it was it was and Hansus is what they wanted Paulson to be, right? Right, come yeah. in. That play. fourth line center that yeah. wins faceoffs, can play defense, kill penalties, and then maybe every once in a while score a huge goal for you. Yeah. Yep. Well, and Hans and Hansu's jumped in and he was he became the second line center because him, you know, he he played was so well with Patrick Kane at, at that time, and you didn't expect that to happen. No. Um yeah. how funny that that so, was yeah. the thing forever with the Hawks was the number two center. Was this always a thing that seemed yeah. to be the one thing they couldn't find a permanent answer for? But they did a hell of a job addressing it. Hanzus twice and Vermette once. Mm-hmm. Hanzus, Vermette, Brad Richards. Brad like, Richards, yes, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was yeah, just Brad like Richards just was... plug and play some guys, you know. Yeah. yeah. See, they were just the waiting. That... They were just waiting for Dylan Strome to be born and drafted and traded. <laughs> yeah, right. But Brad Richards, that's a name. Like, just has totally yeah. slipped my mind. Totally forgot like... about that until yeah. Yeah. Until we start, well, you know, we'll be doing a 2015 throwback Thursday. I'm sure soon. Those anniversaries are coming up too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. awesome, Greg. Thank you for uh, all the hard work on this. Thanks for getting everything together. 
Um, you must have had your foot greens this morning. That's the only, uh, <laughs> there only you explanation. Go. It's the best way to start your day, other than a uh, a cup of Strava coffee. Hey, you know what? You can put you can put them together and really just blast your system with <laughs> just all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Athletic Greens, uh, their their AG one product. Uh, it is a it is a uh, packed with uh, with with vitamins and nutrients. Uh, Seventy five high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Uh, good 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 way to start your day. Uh, blended together to uh, improve your immune system, uh, give you some more natural energy, help with your gut health. Um, tons of benefits to uh, to Athletic Greens and their AG1 product, um, and it's pretty good to uh, to incorporate into your diet, whether it's um, you know gluten free or dairy free or vegan, paleo, uh, keto, like all of those. It's 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 easy to incorporate, um, and it's it's you know no matter how busy your day can be or how busy your life is. All you got to do is put one scoop of AG1 into a glass of water once a day. That's it. You don't have to do a whole, you know, vitamins uh, regiment or anything like that. Uh, really easy to uh, to do. Uh, just a small habit with big benefits. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with the convenient daily nutrition of Athletic Greens. You don't need, like I said, you don't need a bunch of different pills or supplements to get the benefits from Athletic Greens. Just one scoop in a cup of water. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks. That is athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. <laughs> 